everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. Um, no game at the weekend coming up, so we decided to just come together here this evening, have a bit of chat, see what's going on in the world of Liverpool, because there's still plenty going on to talk about. Um, currently, the squad is across in Marbella, and that's where we're going to begin tonight. In the panel, I have two regulars. First up, in Belfast. I'm going to say bang. I nearly, nearly upgraded you there, Donning. Uh, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. Upgraded the banger. Let's face it, you'd be honoured by that. It's like being upgraded to Beirut, dead on. Well, definitely, definitely an upgrade in anywhere in Northern Ireland in Berlin is uh, is Neil Patterson. Neil, all good, wee lad? Aye, aye, all good, all good. Nice to be on, so see what we get into here. Indeed, well, no, no. may as well start with where the team are right now, and that's Marbella. Uh, another warmer weather uh, training break. The last one worked so well. Uh, can't wait to see the results of this one. And, you know, looming on the horizon, we have a couple of very, very big games. And, you know, the the, the whole narrative at the moment is around the fact that Virgil van Dijk is going to be uh, suspended for the game upcoming on, on Tuesday against Bayern Munich, which leaves us with basically the cupboard bare in defence. Uh, Neil, as always, I'll start with you. Um you know, we've seen maybe Fabinho stepping in. Um, there's been touted that maybe Jordan Henderson is going to step into the, the defensive role alongside Joel Matip. Um, uh, you know, he'd be a little bit more, let's say, calm if it was Virgil, but it's not. So where, where do you start? Personally speaking, I, I, I don't know where I'm on it. Um, it is what it is, and we've got to get through it. I don't know whether I, don't know whether I want Henderson um, at all. Uh, but if you play him at centre back, well, you know he's he's basically you can't be criticised. Um, and I think I prefer Fabinho in the midfield. If I if I was picking, what's your own thoughts on it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's far from ideal, obviously. Um, I mean, the one thing I would say is at least uh, we have this this chance to get away and get away to Marbella and have the the warm weather camp for the next sort of week or so, um, and give. Give the <laughs> lover in every possible chance of uh, somehow proving his fitness. I think Klopp said that obviously he hasn't he hasn't travelled because he's he's not fit. He can't train. So um, isn't it hilarious? People praying for Dejan Lovren. Yeah, no, I know how how things have changed. I mean, it, it does show a little bit the sign of desperation because obviously, obviously, while Lovren is definitely competent, you know, we'd almost rather have Joe Gomez again on top of that. So. You know, it, it, it's one of them. We've had injury after injury, as seems to seems to happen to us in, you know, in with cluster injuries in in the in the one position. Yeah, it, it, it's rock and hard place time really because obviously we've got Matip who's who's going to start. Hopefully, touch wood, doesn't have any kind of knock or, or illness or anything. Actually, he's been he's been quite reliable for us this this season when we when we've needed him. Um, slightly unlucky to pick up an injury at the the end of the the Napoli game. I think it was, and he was out for a few. But generally, he's been he's been present and correct this season. Um, people are worried about his form or or the way he plays in general, and, and you know it's fair enough. Again, he's he's the fourth choice centre back, so there is going to be a drop off from from your first two. Uh, having said that, he, he's certainly competent. It's a difficult one because. Uh, <laughs> I've never really seen Jordan Henderson play at centre back, and it doesn't. It doesn't seem, you know, the idea of it doesn't seem to intuitively fit. Um, I know he's a very adept footballer, and he, he can he can uh, play multiple positions. Uh, but I just thought even that 
when he's when he when he played at fullback recently, he kind of looked lost without the ball. He put in a perfectly perfectly reasonable and deep and good performance under the circumstances, but at the same time, it's far from ideal. It'd be far from ideal him starting at centre centre half uh, or centre back against Bayern Munich. Um, the other option, obviously, is Fabinho, uh, who played centre back earlier in the season against Wolves, acquitted himself very well, but was reportedly only, only started that game at centre back because Jordan Henderson took a knock. Or uh, yeah, wasn't able to start. He was the originally uh, the player originally planned to start there. So maybe that <coughs> excuse me puts him ahead in the pecking order at this point. Personally, I'd rather see Fabinho play there. I think because we have seen him and he, he did play well. I also like the fact that he's 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 tall, he's rangy, he's an obstacle there. And I think his 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 natural positioning and, and reading of the game is would be better better suited to that role than than Henderson. You do lose something in midfield, obviously, and then that's the next thing. But personally, personally, I'd probably rather have the Fabinho further back and and Henderson in midfield. You might lose something Penn and Penn and Byron in. I know we chatted about that pre pod, and I'm sure you, you'll go into it now uh, whenever I pass over. But I think intuitively, I would be happier. With Fabinho at centre back and Jordan Henderson playing slightly further forward. Not sure, Neil. Uh, you know, for for my money, it was actually an article where I forget who wrote it in in, in the uh, the Echo. I think it was yesterday or the day before about just how Fabinho and for for the reason that and we said it pre pod as well. I think we're going to go up Byron. I think there's going to be, in my own opinion, I could be completely wrong, but what I see at the moment is desperate times, desperate measures. And we go along the lines of last season's Champions League um, performance and go straight at them, um, try and pin them back. And I think with you know Fabinho in that role, and I'll say this, this article in, in in the Echo really sort of you know rubber stamped that, that opinion with me um, that we're much better with them there. So I, I would tend to go with Henderson. Uh, if I was pick I'd pick one of the two for centre back Henderson. Uh, Dave, where are you on this one? Uh, I'm sure you, I'm sure you have an opinion. Yeah, as much as you love Jordan Henderson. I chief, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you here. Um, I just I just hate the idea of a of a of a Robert Lewandowski up against Jordan Henderson in there running at him. I just I just think no. So um, that would be me. That would be me. I'm just gonna leave you with that thought before you go in there. Go on. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. Um, I just think that I think we. We lose more in the midfield with Fabinho missing from there than we gain with him playing centre half ahead of Henderson, if that makes sense. I think as much as I do rate Jordan Henderson, you know, I'm looking at my preferred midfield three of if we're going to go three, and I'm sure we will go three, particularly after the weekend of of Fabinho, Wijnaldum and, and Keita. And it looked, it just, it, I, the weekend it just looks so balanced. And I think long term and particularly coming into the next couple of games, I would like to see a settlement field three for the next three matches. And I would like to see that settlement field three for the next three matches. The other thing is, you know, Henderson's a big guy, six foot plus. He can hit the ball out of the box. I think a lot of the time you see the likes of Van Dyke, you see him wander into the middle of the park and play him nearly midfield anyway. And, there's a, there's more than more than numerous occasions where Henderson does end up being the deepest man anyhow. So you yeah. know, defend defending on the halfway line when we get the ball, 
or when we have the ball, it really wouldn't worry me loads. It might be exposed a bit more whenever. Dave, Dave, can I can I throw a curveball at you? Yeah, yeah. Beside Joel Matip. Do you know what, mate? mate no, and that's, say, not a, that's, that's not a slight on Matip in any way, but it's not Virgil van Dijk. No, I know that. I, I know that. But it's like you said at the start of the show. Um, it is what it is. You exactly. Know? What it is. You can't, you can't medicate it. Matip's the one who's, who's going to be starting. He's the only recognised centre-back who's fit. So he's the senior one there. So we're not looking to protect him. He's the one that's going to have to protect who he's playing with, essentially that that's the way it's gonna to have to be. And I I do take your point, <clears throat> Dave Dunn, I think what you what you were getting at there and what I was gonna nip in with was essentially I suppose if, if Fabinho's playing the deepest of of the midfield three and Jordan Henderson's playing centre back, the two could could find themselves switching roles fairly often through the game anyway and and, and ended up covering each other. Personally, it's just the idea of it. Do you know what I mean? For me, Henderson is is a midfielder and only a midfielder. And when you start experimenting with him in the back line, it's it's absolute desperation. Fabinho, on the other hand, has actually played defence and does actually play in a back four for Brazil. So has a little bit more a couple of times. Here, well, let's see if you want to throw out. See if you want to throw out. There, there, we could sit here and we could discuss an argument for Wijnaldum playing centre half as yeah. well, which is which is also a possibility. Fabinho only really got in because of injuries and because Danny Alves was was injured. We're, the, we're was in the same position. We've got the same injuries. That's that's the point. And he yeah, but but I just think he's too. I honestly believe he's too key. Neil, I think he's too key to the midfield. It's it's but like that would be. That would be like we've got a crisis in midfield. We'll move Virgil Van Dijk to the midfield. You don't do it because he's your he's your go-to guy in the midfield. Fabinho is our yes. potentially yes, but at the same time it could be throwing a hand grenade, putting Jordan Henderson in the centre back. We don't know. We've not seen it really being done. No, it's so, a worry, and and, and, so and, and obviously a worry. And what I'm saying is Fabinho is we've actually seen him play there. You know what I mean? It, it's a it's a it's a big it's a big thing to consider from people who have just, you know, people who watched Liverpool this season and have watched Jordan Henderson play for Liverpool and have watched Fabinho play for Liverpool and, and maybe Monaco, where you've seen Fabinho play centre-half. It might have been in two matches, but you've seen him do it, and you've seen him do it pretty well, apart exactly. from one apart from one where he dives in at Wolves. You haven't seen Jordan Henderson do it. And, exactly. and Jordan Henderson also has a certain stigma around him. When it comes that, to I Liverpool mean, but, fans, isn't that right, Dave? So, <laughs> so I can, I can, I can completely understand the anxiety. I have behind, no words. <laughs> you know, I can, I can, I can understand the anxiety around around people seeing that lineup, and I can see the social media meltdown whenever Henderson is named as a centre half. If in fact he is named as a centre half, but ultimately, you know. I really don't think who plays centre half is more important than who plays midfield, and that's really all I have to say. I think we should we shouldn't be we're 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 this this Liverpool team. They shouldn't be looking to think right who can defend better than that. Who can who who out of these three can defend the best? This Liverpool team, the way they're playing at the minute, where they are in the league table. What their recent history is in the Champions League and their their historic performances in the Champions League should be looking at 
who can give us more going forward? Who can give us more in an attacking sense? So that's the position that I'd like to take. You know, okay, I don't. I, I, I want to throw another one at you because just what you've said there, and while you're on the topic, and it's one that I think that that maybe we are worried, and rightly so. But there's a part of the equation with with Trent coming back that I think sort of mitigates some of the worry, because with the two fullbacks, our two first choice fullbacks bombing at Bayern. Uh, and you, you know, okay, Henderson's there, and Fabinho protecting, or uh, maybe maybe two of them, maybe 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 goes with the two number sixes again. I don't know uh, against Bayern, especially with that defence. But you, you sort of kind of say, well, you know, Trent it was it was clear how much we've missed him, and I'm just wondering, does does Trent's inclusion, which we were fully expecting from the start, th- does that change things again in defence? Does that maybe allay some of those fears kind of along the same lines I was just saying there I think I think Trent gives us more in an attacking sense than 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 a defensive in a defensive nature and you know if if you watch us when we have the ball we've two players in the halfway line and the two fullbacks are like midway inside the opposition half you know that's their job they get forward at every opportunity they often get forward when they shouldn't so I don't think that if you look at Milner Milner's provided, you know, the two last he played the last two games he's played right back. He's fucking provided two assists. What he gives us in his passing range, both from, you know, a delivery into the the sense of a delivery into the box and just fizzing passes into the midfield along the deck. I think that adds more to us than than him returning in the defensive sense, if that makes any kind of sense at all. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, that's that's. I mean, it, it all rolls into one, doesn't it? Because the old adage, you know, attacks the best form of defence. They're worried, you know, ha- having our first choice fullbacks massively lifts the potential of our of our forward play. Essentially, it it, it elevates the the speed. It generally elevates the sharpness, you know, and and that automatically puts then the opposite number or your opposite number in those situations on the back foot. So, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. Dave Dunning in terms of uh, we should be thinking about what's going to work for us in an attacking sense and to be fair both of them are going to be on the pitch anyway Henderson and Fabinho and whether one normally plays 20 yards further forward than the other isn't probably going to be the undoing of of Liverpool, if we are to be on switch, you know, and share the bloody position and switch backward and forward. Exactly. There will be a lot of that, and they'll be on the pitch anyway. And and to be honest, the players that are on the pitch will be, will be, and are good enough to beat Bayern Munich. You know, whether they actually do on the night, we'll have to see. But they they don't really need to be any excuses. Bayern are missing big players as well, and you know. They're not in good shape, and well, they're not in bad shape, but they're not in great shape, shall we say? But I think if we do go out and blitz them. That that is that is also something that I would, you know, go along with it. It, it makes sense because you feel that the blitz is on because you know, like general, but particularly Liverpool is is the rapier like fucking speed of the blitz of, of the blitz creek essentially that that happened to the, the the Champions League last year. Nobody was prepared for that. What Liverpool did last year. Winning those games, I mean, early on, 7-0, okay, people go, oh, it's only Maribor. Hammering Porto, 5-0, putting, putting so many past City, putting five past Roma. Nobody was expecting that. And if we can replicate something like that in the first half an hour, then, you know, we'll be looking to do you're, you're hitting the nail on the head of what I want to talk about, Neil, about that first half hour. It not being the Premier League, with the fact that they can breathe. For, for yeah. you, you know, 
every game that we seem to go into at the minute has that 90 minutes before Doom feel to it. You know what I mean? Like the good end in Doom if you don't get three points. And and the Champions League at the minute might just be that, that you know, just a little buoyance for the, you know, that, that they can then get a draw. It's not the end of the world. And, and, you know, it's not all in one game all of a sudden. And that's the way they've been playing, like, basically from Christmas. We daren't lose. We don't, you know, we're told City are on our tails. You daren't lose. You daren't. That's just it's a different feel to this game, and I think you might see the best of us. Yeah, I'd go along with that. I mean, it's a, if not quite a welcome tonic, then it's definitely a, a chance to to yeah breathe a little, as you said, and 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 enjoy it a little bit more. It it has been sudden death basically, and it is a, it is a shootout in the in the league. Um, who will blink first? Who who drop more points? And it's going to be very very tight. It has been the whole way, and it's going to continue to be so. And it's a one-off knockout, which is two-legged, but a one-off knockout game, shall we say. And it's it's the best team over over two legs. And at the end of the day, the pressure is not on Liverpool to to win the Champions League. It's not on Liverpool even to beat Bayern Munich. Yes, we'd love to, but I think all of us agree that uh, the league is right now the number one priority, and we wouldn't mind losing to Bayern if it meant winning the league. Of course, it doesn't work like that, but you know what I'm saying. On the list of priorities, the Champions League was, was possibly higher last year at this stage than it is this year. Um, I, don't, I don't think we give enough credence to the consideration that we have Jurgen Klopp as our manager. And this Bayern team is managed by... Nico Kovac? It is Nico Kovac, yeah. Yeah, this is what his, his third year in, in top flight management. You're his, right. His, his first year in, in Champions League football. This First team, time in a really big club. Yeah, first time in a big club. Was it uh, Eintracht, was it Eintracht Frankfurt, if I could say that properly? Is that, yeah. I think he was there last year, yeah. And uh, did yeah. they win the, they won the cup or something, did they? They won the German cup by beating Bayern Munich 4-1. Okay, so... That's great. And Barron were in very much, you know, they went through two managers last year, I think. Isn't that right? Through Ancelotti and then, or no, am I wrong? No, you're right. Ancelotti and then Hankus came and in. And then Hankus came back. Yeah. So very much a transitional year for them. And I think that we look at, we look at football in, in such basic one dimensional terms where we play 4 3 3 or 4 2 3 1. We play that fast, free-flowing, swashbuckling, counter-attacking system, or we play that pacing game with two holding midfielders and getting the extra attacker on the pitch. But there's so many more subtle nuances to that and, and you know, intricate tactical adjustments to playing against each particular side. And I have absolutely no doubt that no matter which players we're missing, that that experience the club has and the quality of the players, and you cannot underestimate the quality of the players that we still have on the pitch. Oh, yes, yes, we, we are missing probably our first, second, and third choice centre half. That's fine. So we're playing our fourth choice centre half and a midfielder at centre half. See, aside from that, we're pretty much full strength all over the pitch. And I really... I know this looks like a defensive crisis, but, you know, in three weeks' time, we could have Gomez back, we could have Lovren back, and Van Dijk will obviously have served his suspension. So all of a sudden, we go from being nowhere to being, Jesus, we look fucking strong now, don't we? 
So I don't think it's that. Happen in those four or five weeks, Dave. Yeah, again, be that as a media, but I suppose that brings us on to the midfield. And what you're looking at now well, is well, a midfield. Before we, before we go there, Dave, before, I, I just want to ask Neil a question on Bayern because I have not been watching Bundesliga at all this season. And I'm just curious, are we likely to see Robin and Ribery start the game? Not, not, we're not so, like, not so likely to see Arjen Robin. He's unlikely to start. You'll probably see Coman on that side. But, 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 but would he still be considered their best 11 starter? You know, I, I'm, I'm a, I know he's getting on. I haven't watched German football. I'm just it's, curious as, as to what we're likely just, to face. It's, it's just the changing of the guard. You know what I mean? It's just it's just taking longer than, or as long as these things sometimes can when you've had a player who's been so integral and, and been at a club for so long. So I mean, gradually he's, 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 well, he's playing less and less and, and Coleman is now the, the starting left-sided player. The young guys are starting to dislodge the older ones. Ribery has been good this year, and when he when he's featured, and he, he's likely to to play, I would imagine. Muller's obviously out. Um, Lewandowski will play. Canabry, yeah, I mean he could he could could start on the bench, but it's going to be it's very much much a mixture. The the defense at at the back, um, center half partnerships. He's been chopping and changing slightly. It, um, yeah, it looks like it looks like we'll we'll probably see. There's a question mark over whether Sula will come in or or whether it will be Hummels and Boateng. Either way, the only chief. Th- I'm interested what they do. I'm interested what they do in the midfield because I think isn't it going to be two of having Martinez, Thiago, and and Goretzka? It's going to be two of those three. Is that right? Well, they've also got. Uh, what do you mean, Hamid? Hamid? Mark. Well, is well, Hamid's not play higher up with those two, three. Am I being? Yeah, well, because what have you got? Your likely front three is going to be going to be Coman, Ribery, and and Lewandowski. And Lewandowski, exactly. And then who in behind there? So the the question is, it's going to be two of James Rodriguez, Goretzka, and and Javi Martinez. But who's your third in the midfield then? Or am I completely forgetting about somebody? I don't know. I can't can't pick a four at the moment. So you've got those those three up front. You've got two from them, and you've got the five. Right. So see if you're likely you're going then Goretzka and Thiago in the midfield with Rodriguez, James Rodriguez just ahead of them with those three you're talking about. Yeah, I mean that seems seems the most likely, and then you'll have, as I said, um, Coleman, Lewandowski, and and Ribery further forward. And the question mark is whether you'll have Sula or Boateng um, at centre half beside Hummels. So you know, realistically looking at it, it's a team. It's a Barner. You know, they're they're a team in transition, and they're a team in transition in terms of. Um, direction and management, but they're also a team in transition in terms of playing staff, you know. And you know, we all know Bayern Munich. We think of Bayern Munich. We, we, we everyone has players that instantly spring to mind for them, depending on the era that they, they've watched them. And the, the thing about them is, is that they tend to build uh, teams which last. And we're at the end of a cycle now. I mean, the final end of a cycle of a team which. Which started to break up with with Schweinsteiger and and Lamb. Yes, it's the death rattles, isn't it? Exactly. It's it's the final the final few pieces that are that are having to or that are finally kind of fallen away. Yeah, Reben robbery, Reben Reben and robbery, Reben and robbery. (laughs) 
Reaper and Robin are still hanging in there. Mueller's still hanging in there. Boateng's still hanging in there. But they're all they're all essentially shadows of them form, their former selves as well. You yeah, know I mean? they haven't quite been replaced by the new guard, so it's it's a good time to get them. They 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 are they are undecided. You know they're they're they don't know where they're they're what they're going to become. Shall we say what that what is the next incarnation of Bayern Munich? You know, and when do, when do we see what that is fully? You know, so it's a good time to get them. And what we said before in terms of hitting them with pace and hitting them early and, and all that and really trying to make them because they, they they fear that and we we shouldn't disappoint do you know what I mean we shouldn't they shouldn't get to 25 minutes and think uh, it wasn't that bad you know what I mean they, they should be getting I see, uh, I see Rodriguez and co-op out in the press and they've done a stupid like you know, thought that have fucking learnt after last season you know oh, Anfield's not really that big a deal no, no real problem going there and then the fucking warming up and they're like oh yeah. I love it. I love it when people come out with that shit. I love that. It never I love that. But they just won't learn. It's like, what the fuck? You know, it's, it never feels to backfire. I see Ilkay Gundogan has, uh, has warned the Bayern players to fear Anfield. <laughs> oh, is that right? I think he's original. Yeah. yeah, he's actually said, he's actually come out and said, well, do you know how you say it's not really going to affect you? It fucking does. <laughs> that kind you know, of thing. And again, I think I think even from the fans' perspective, uh, like my young lad's going across, he got a couple of tickets for it. I oh, lucky we bastard! I know. Don't talk. And he, he had four of them, Dave. That's a bloody thing. I don't know how. Guys, <sighs> he's paying over face for them, but still not over face. Then I think would scare you. But uh, as I say, you know, I think the fans as well. This isn't the Premier League. Back to that again. You know, it's a different competition. We can relax. You, you know what I mean? I think a little bit Anfield will be well, I think, especially good. Yeah, the atmosphere is going to be mental purely because of that. The boy, uh, yeah, well, not purely, but, but but you know, that's going to be an added layer, an added level because of that that kind of lack of of complete pressure where. You know, every, everything is that we must win. I mean, that 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 ability to enjoy the fact that you're in this competition and you have a chance of winning it, not that it's your fucking, you know, your daily bread for the next... Yeah, it's not your, it's not your primary objective. Yeah. I it's mean, that's... It's a big competition just, for us. It, it, it's historically a huge competition for us. So, you know, it's almost like... Uh, I think Tuesday's more of a party than anything else. You know what I mean? Um, regardless of, of, of the, the injuries, regardless of the suspensions. You know, it's, it's, to it, me, it's like just getting away from the Premier League and breathing. It's like a holiday. I think, Dave, this could be, with with two big games following it, it could be a real catalyst for us, I think. You know, we we come out of that game with a, you know, with a, a brilliant performance, like a frightening performance, um, a good result, and then with at least one maybe two centre-halves to come back into the fray. And you're looking at a team who are missing, really, Joe Gomez. And that's really it, you know? And with with Oxlade-Chamberlain on the verge of starting to get some minutes, probably don't think we'll see the best of him um, until next year. And then there's also a little undercurrent of excitement around the fact that, you know, Ryan Brewster has gone to gone to Marbella with, with the, the group of players for the training camp because he's deemed fit enough to go and, and join in with some of the training. Sorry, Dave. 
he got his first Jurgen hug as well, so the kid must be all right. Jesus. All right. Well, there's you know there, there's, there's, there's journalism. There's there's but there is real high hopes for that kid. Um, and it seems to be. So well, Chamberlain, you know, Chamberlain's gone as well, hasn't he? Yeah, cha- yeah, Chamberlain's gone. Chamberlain's on the last one as well. Team. Yeah, he's 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 in full training now. It will take him like let's be honest, he's he's literally about to start a preseason with zero base fitness under his belt. So it's probably almost a double preseason he's going to have to go through. 20 minutes off the bench towards the end of the season from him. That, that's a major contribution. I think you said that maybe in the last podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm all over that. Even if he's a bit part player, he can work for next season. But he can bring something to this season. Yeah, he can. He can. But I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm I'm interested on in your thoughts and of... of the, the midfield three that I saw on Saturday because the balance was absolutely brilliant. Um, and people have, people have been lauding praise for Wijnaldum's performance, which was phenomenal. And his, his goal, his finish, his take. And nobody seems to have really mentioned it, but the little subtle dummy before he actually takes the shot and lifts it over the keeper. Uh, which kind of flat boots Ake a little bit is absolutely, it's just, it's just intuitive genius. And I saw, uh, it's maybe a little bit off the topic, but there's, there's a really good article I just read just before we come on from Neil Jones in the Echo with an interview of, interview with Pep Linders and talks about how Wijnaldum and Firmino are, Firmino are the real epitome of what that Liverpool squad is. With regards to their understanding of the game, their positional awareness, their ability to drop in and, and do every single job on the pits that's required to be doing. But I thought that Wijnaldum was given loads of license to get forward on Saturday, more than we've ever seen him do before. Dave, you've talked about this in the past where you wanted to see more of him at the top end of the pits and he got into loads of good positions in that kind of that channel in between the fullback and the centre half. And yeah. kind of seem to have been given like a bit of a a bit of a free role because Look, it was Dave I don't, that's the thing I think that Naby Keita was told and I think maybe I, I, I don't know maybe Jurgen Klopp said you know we, we've had discussions in this pod recently about you know maybe he's in the last chance saloon is he going to be a valuable bit player going forward in the run-in and blah 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 and we've covered that and we've talked about it at length and I think what Klopp said is you know let let one album go. You stand there, but just find your man, find your passes, find your head. You know, you'll get your confidence. You know, some of his passing has been very awry when he's been on the move, um, and and he's quick. He's a quick player. So you know, I think maybe maybe what Klopp said, but certainly what I saw for the first half anyway was a very static uh, Naby Keita who was just finding his man and making his pass a hundred percent of the time or a high percentage of, of the time. And as that developed, his confidence developed, and then he started making the forward runs like what, what you're talking about. And in this game, Dave, I would like to see him because he knows Bayern Munich very well. I think it's a perfect game for him. It's also a perfect opportunity to see whether that was a flash in the pan, a la Burnley or a Wolves, whenever he had good games. Or, or has he turned the corner? And, and you know, like he was he was markably better than we've, we've seen. He's still not the, the, the player I used to watch at Leipzig, not, not by a long way. But there's signs of it there. I never, did, never thought for a second it had gone from him. But it, there's signs it's coming, Dave, and, and I would include him for this game. I, I, I'm going to be honest, Dave. I, I watched I watched the game back, and I I thought he was I thought he was brilliant, and I'm kind of a little bit 
like reluctant to say that because there wasn't loads of focus on him. But you know, after the first like twenty five, one game, Dave, you, you, you really no, loathe to no, let yourself no. go on. You know, you know, you know what the player is. You've seen him at no, Leipzig, I, but you're, I, I, you're I, loath to let yourself truly believe he's going to be that every week for us now. It'd be I, great. Yeah, I know. I know it's a game, but we we saw we saw little flashes um, second half against Leicester. Um, we saw a, 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 a fairly significant improvement against West Ham, and then he got it got taken off, and and then Burnley, and we moved to that. We moved to we we switched we switched that system. Um, for sorry, not for Burnley, for Bournemouth, we switched that system, and he was picking the ball up. Deep, he was at some points the deepest midfielder taking the ball off the centre halves. At some points, he was beating players in the last third, and he was threading threading balls through. And his pass to the goals unreal. It's unreal with the outside of his foot. You know, he wins the ball back for the for this the he wins the ball back for the second goal. Absolutely unreal. And then the chance where where Salah hits the bar, he's he's involved heavily. But there's lots of little things. There's a little there's a little Croy flick. Um, for the the Firmino chance where, where Robertson puts him through just to set that whole counter attack off, um, and he just see, he he seems to have grown in confidence almost overnight. Where he started to try things and a couple of them worked, and he thought, do you know what? Fuck, I can do this. And and maybe the confidence that the club's shown in him has has allowed him to express himself a little bit more and help build his confidence. Yeah, it probably fucking has because it's Jurgen Klopp, let's be honest. But, but let's face it, Dave, he's never had any spotlight on him from the Monday from Monday joined. We've been going great. Nobody's been thinking about it. So he's had every opportunity to flourish like he really should be. No, that's true. That's true. But I think, I don't know. I'm t- Chief, I don't know what you think. I saw I saw a, like a significant, significant improvement in his game, and I think the system on Saturday suited him so much better, and it looks as though it looks as though the penny just droppeth him nearly. Yeah, well, it, it could be like that. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, he's been we've mentioned in the last few pods that you know there'd been arguments to say that he had been improving, and uh, certainly in the West Ham game, and just in general. I mean, it's he when when he first came. We often forget, but we often reference it as well. From um, he, he played well to begin with. First game against West Ham, he played really well. We we were talking about him having a second game against Palace. He played really well. We were talking about him having hit the ground running. How great it was that he he we'd managed to sign a player who didn't really need to bet in. And then he gets an injury, and there's whatever happens away at Napoli, and he has to be stretchered off. He's I don't know. He he has some kind of episode. Whatever happened there. Um, and he's never really been been right since. Um, <clears throat> so it's, it's taken him a while to get back in, and you know some performances he he, he was way off. Let's be honest, he, he he wasn't looking anything like when when at the beginning of this run he wasn't looking anything like how he looked against Bournemouth. But gradually he has been progressing, and it, it maybe is just a case of that uh, getting more used to the environment, getting more used to being part of the team. Playing every game, um, getting getting used to his teammates, teammates getting used to him, um, getting used to the feel of, of the league, you know what the other players are like, what the other teams are like, all of it kind of coming together. You you would imagine that there would be a point where, you know, a sweet spot where all those things kind of fell into place, and hopefully that's that's what's happening. You know, gradually everything is becoming better, becoming easier, and therefore that adds up to looking a whole lot better on the pitch. 
and and that's hopefully what we're seeing now. And it stands the reason. It, it's logical that, that that would happen. So let's hope it isn't a false dawn. I agree with Dave. You know, it's only the first real game where we've seen a, a very very good performance. And I agree with you, Dave Dunham, that it was an excellent performance. It really was. It, it, you know, I was, I was watching something on the Anfield rap earlier, and they ran through his stats, and he he had the most touches of the ball. He had the most completed passes of the ball. Um, he had he had the, the most tackles. He won the ball back the most times. He had the most pressing actions. In short, he led on the pitch. You know, he he was the one making making us tick, making things tick in the middle. And he was a you know you'd have to say from those stats probably our most influential player in terms of you know his his effect on the game. And that's that's the kind of performance we're looking for. I mean, that's the kind of player we're buying—a player who who runs games, a player who sees the passes, but also knows when to to dribble, when when to take a player out of the game with a bit of skill, and so on and so forth. And that's exactly what you've alluded to there. He was doing everything. I said that there's a lot more to come from. That wasn't that, that, I that wasn't it. No, no, <laughs> that wasn't peak Navigator from what I've seen. But it's that, certainly no. a, a big step in the right direction. Let's say. Yeah. And and under that, like you know, I don't know about you, Neil. I would start him against Bayern. I really would. I think his familiarity with him could could be to our advantage. Um, and especially coming on the, this is, off the back of a good game. I, I just think the, I just think the way it is. Just just to jump in before you did there. I just I just think the way it is is we'll have to start him against Bayern because. Well, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you. What, what what do you go against Bayern? What do you go as an eleven? Well. You, we'll do it together. You, you obviously Allison, obviously Trent and, and Robbo. We've said Matty touching a lot of wood that he he stays fit, and and then we had the discussion. So who do, who do you put in there, Henderson or, or Fabinho? I mean, you both said you, I, you put Henderson. I go with Henderson. Henderson for me. Uh, yeah, I suppose this is much more easy than I thought it was going to be. But yeah, I I go I go Henderson centre half, Fabinho, Wijnaldum, Kaida. Sally Firmino, Sally for Sally Firmino, Sally was a new player. I know, Sally, <laughs> <Alice>. <laughs> I know, and fucking robbery and Reben. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and they fucking Paul Merson the next fuck's sake. No, you're still, yeah, you're still making suppose, sense, dude. You're all right. <laughs> yeah, um, but I suppose that the only difference in our two sides is is, is that. Is is the midfield midfield centre half switch between Fabinho and Anderson? So I can imagine we'll probably see one one of those two. Exactly, and at the end of the day, as we said, they'll they'll probably end up rotating a little anyway in there, the two of them. So so that is the team, and and on paper, and you know we know ourselves that that's a team that's definitely strong enough to go and and, and get a really good result. Uh, and, feel, and on that, what do you, what, what do you, what do you feel? You know, like we'll talk Bayern. I, you know, I think we all fancy them. You know, it's not even Bayern. It's, it's it's after that at the weekend. We have a trip to Mordor. Okay, we have a few days rest. Um, it's a Sunday kickoff. But five days, it's good. You know, it's it's grand. Do we do do we stick with the same team? Because I can't see any any recoveries in that time. I can't see um anything really changing. Well, Van Dijk will be back. Van Dijk. Oh yeah. Well, well, obviously that's a suspension. I'm talking injury wise. Well, Van Dijk will be um, in. You probably then um, you Milner's know. got to come in somewhere, and, and I would fancy Milner against United. I think M- Milner will Milner will play one of these three games. I imagine it will probably be Everton, but I don't know. I think Henderson. Fuck, I think do you know what? I I would pick the team, and Henderson would be not playing against United, but I think he probably will. Just 
historically looking at who Klopp's pe- who Klopp picks for these sorts of games, I can imagine Henderson will probably play unless we're maybe seeing a little bit of a there might be a, a li- shift. Yeah. There, you know, that that shift that people had spoken about at the start of the season, and Henderson will still play lots of football, don't get me wrong, but that shift that people thought, oh, that's going to be our midfield next year, it's going to be Fabinho, Kaido, Wijnaldum, and that's going to be it. And, yeah. we, you know, anybody who had any fucking sense about them knew that it was going to take time. And I think it's probably even more difficult to settle into this Liverpool team now than it was a year or certainly two years ago, because they've probably evolved tactically more, which makes it more difficult for people to understand the various different never, roles never mind the, the play. personal sort Absolutely. of yeah, of the group. No, I'm just saying, you know, the, the group of players that we have as well, Dave, are, they're a very, very tight-knit group. You know, they're a really close band mm. from, from, from from what you see. And that might be difficult, to, you know, to, to break into and, you know, the strong relationships that, that, are, that are there, you know, we'll see it on all the LFC TV stuff. Uh, that the club put out the inside Anfield stuff and everything. They look, you know, they look so united. I would imagine, you know, it'll take a wee while just to, to feel part of that group. And especially with Kato maybe not performing the way he wanted to. You know, you you know yourself in, in any work environment, you go into it and you feel a bit of a do- uh, you know, you feel a bit dopey for a while until you get your yeah, so you get your head. Yeah, and that's that's a really good point because you know, going in going in to something at the start. You know, even if you're trying to adapt to, to a new system or a new way of playing, at least you know, like I'm, I'm also one of the loads of new guys here. It's a entire new project, so you know, I don't feel out of place. Whereas someone's coming in, and Naby Keita, for example, not only are they coming into a really settled squad and and, and a, a an environment that has been, you know, honed and and gleaned for the last, you know, three years. But also, this team now is tactically far more evolved than it was two years ago. Multiple different systems are, are able to be played. Um, there's far more intricacies to what they do. So I'm not really surprised that, you know, we didn't see a massive time lapse in Klopp's first transfer window with the likes of Mane and Wijnaldum. They slot straight in there. The second transfer window, you know, Oxley Chamberlain takes a while. I think November he starts to come into it. Robertson probably around the same time. And then Kaida and Fabinho. Fabinho took a little bit longer than the other two and Kaida now longer again. So, you know, I think we need to consider all that when we talk about Naby Kaida or we talk about Fabinho or we talk about who we're, you know, maybe even looking into who we're going to sign next summer as to how difficult it is to come in to this Liverpool team. Well, and I think I, mean, I think as well in there just just, just a tactical side. Hold on a minute. There, there's a tactical side, and there's the there's the quality as well. You know what I mean? So you're you're not coming into a team that's 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 trying to get there. You're not coming into a team that's that's you know going for the top four or or looking to consolidate or whatever. You're, you're coming into a team now that is going for for the top honors. Um, yeah, you're expected to be this guy that helps the team make that final step, and that has to have loads of pressure on it. Exactly, and you're you're having to instantly be able to operate not just at a good level, but at the very top level. And the chances are you're coming from a for while you may you may be one of the very best in in your in your in your area in your field in your position whatever. You're not you're, you're coming from a from a club that that isn't as big as Liverpool, you know regardless of what club you you come from because we're not signing from from a Real Madrid you know what i mean uh, uh, Alisson's coming from Roma 
he's a great keeper, but he's he's coming from Roma. Roma aren't as big as, as Liverpool. Same by the same token, Naby Kaida's coming from Leipzig. There's no way Leipzig are, are, are close to being the same yeah, as Liverpool. So they're all making step steps up at the same time, you know, and we're and Liverpool are also making steps up at the same time. So the whole process is is only going one way. So the, the pressure to perform then and 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 probably the margins of, of whether you are performing in inverted commas or not performing are so fine. Um you know, it's it's bound to be difficult. It's bound to take time. But I wonder too, Dave. There's a, there's another sort of strand on this one. You know, like he was he wasn't this summer's story. He was last summer's story, and then he was left in Leipzig. You, you know, <laughs> he's, he's, there's an anomaly around this transfer as well that we're maybe not. You know, we, maybe the, as fans, we don't think about how much of a, an impact that had on him mentally. Having to stay there clearly against his wishes, and, and you know it was it was thrashed out, and you know, and then he arrives. But Allison's arrived, Fabinho's arrived, all these names have arrived, and he's well, Naby Keita's still last year. Yeah, <laughs> I think that I don't know, Dave. I think that might have had the other. I think it might have. I think that that time lapse might have had the opposite effect. Where yeah, so he's trying been, too hard. It have, well, it yes, might, for, last year's well, man trying to be this year's man. <laughs> yeah, I also mean from I also mean from a fan's perspective where. The anticipation and the excitement has built and built and built and built and built and built. And I remember, I remember saying to people, yes, but then Allison uh, arrived. Then, then, then the no, I get that, Dave, but, but, but even in my head, regardless of who we signed, I remember having a conversation with a, with with a mate at the start of the year, and I was he was going, oh, this person, that person. I'm like, I'm telling you now, like some confident, know-it-all, fucking hipster wanker. I'm telling you now. Naby Keita is going to be a game changer, a game changer this year. And for fucking, and he texts me like after the Palace game, Keita, brilliant, unbelievable, what a player. And I haven't fucking heard from him since. So don't you know? Don't you know? You know, didn't didn't I look like the dickhead? But that was how excited and how confident and how much anticipation it built inside me. That I had no, and I rarely ever do this. I rarely give it like an absolute opinion. And I was like, absolutely, this guy, this guy. And I can imagine that we he has. their kids, Dave. Do you know that? We he's do. A 20, well, exactly. <laughs> it was a 23 year old with people pointing the finger at him going, this is going to be the guy that moves Liverpool to, you know, got the Champions League final last year, you know. He's expected to bring this team to a higher level than that. That responsibility and that pressure has to tell on a player. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. You know, players, you know, football players, they don't have a lot to do in their free time, especially a player who comes from another country, doesn't have any kind of social network really other than the players, you know, doesn't necessarily speak the language from what we've been led to believe. So, what has he got to do but sit in the house and like think about shit? So I kind of they all seem to do that. Well, maybe maybe so, but there's only so many games you can complete before you've got no games left. Not, not so sure about that if you follow them on Instagram. Well, <laughs> maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But you know what I'm getting at. You know what I'm getting at. There's massive pressure on on the guy, and and he came with a huge reputation. And he did a couple of little things at the start of the season and people who had heard he was great but hadn't seen him were going, oh, this guy's going to be special. This guy's going to be special. And 
he's just disappeared off the radar. And I think maybe the fact that he has disappeared off the radar a little bit, certainly the public eye, may have also helped. I think ultimately he is going to be a game changer. You know what I mean? I just think that you're, you know, we've all touched on, on the various aspects of the things which um, meant that it'll, it'll just take a little bit longer. But I mean, I think the reality is we haven't, we haven't played with a, a midfield that, that's sought to dominate for a couple of seasons now. You know, last season, very much the midfield was there to facilitate the front three. And um, we haven't really looked the kind of, we haven't had a controller or someone who kind of takes hold of the ball and, and, and you know, sets a tempo from midfield since since maybe the likes of Gerrard and, you know, players of that ilk, Alonso and so on. Alonso, Mascherano, yeah. yeah. Now we're moving towards, it's a different style of midfield uh, in terms of the style of the players, but we're moving towards a midfield with, with Kaida, Fabinho and Wijnaldum. That is look it's gonna gonna it's gonna look to dominate games. I mean we're in a position now where we do dominate games. We have most of the possession in most games. Um usually by quite some margin. So it's nice to see. Um but what really would be you know, what what we'll really notice if, if Kyla does, you know, continue to develop and, and we get the player from Leipzig and, and he continues to, to develop from there. We're going to have a, a player who, who, who owns games, essentially can, can, can do everything, can, <clears throat> can break up play, can set tempo, can pass, can shoot, beat players, outrageous skill, great vision. Oh, he's, he's, he's honestly got, got everything. And if he can begin to produce that at, at Premier League level and, and do that consistency, consistently, sorry, and you add that to to Fabinho, who's beginning to look dominant. At the, I mean, you you two were were saying you'd you'd rather have Jordan Henderson at at, at centre back because of losing Fabinho there. I mean, he's only recently in the last two months brought himself to the fore of being thought of in that way, and only in the last say six weeks. Being looking a bargain about, at forty odd million, Neil, I may add. Exactly. So I mean, you're you're beginning to move from a midfield, and and you can see you're moving from a midfield which was purely there to facilitate, and and you know create here and there when it could and whatever, but but essentially to facilitate and put in the hard yards to a midfield that that can do that, but can also dominate games. And see, I think two point see two two points I have on that. You're absolutely spot on. The first one is that the the earlier article I was referring to the the interview with with Pep Linders in the Echo. Um, he talked about when he came back into the fold um, in the summer that he talked with Klopp around how one of the key areas that they can improve on is the midfield, how they can be better in protecting the centre, the the defence, and how they can get the ball to. The midfield player, the midfield runner, or one of the the attacking three um, in the attacking third quicker than they're doing. And immediately, you know, apparently this conversation happened in and around the Champions League final. And Kaida had already been signed, isn't that right? Yeah. And then, if you remember, I think it's two or three days after the Champions League, and it comes from nowhere, Liverpool signed Fabinho. Yeah, yeah. And immediately they sought to rectify that area of the pitch. 
Um, and then we heard the Fakir links, etc. Then Shakiri was signed. And that, to me, just resonates with exactly what you're saying around the improvement in that area and how that has been such a targeted area for the manager and, and the, the club as a whole. And the other thing is that Nabi Kaida, the, the term that has been thrown around referring to Kaida is that he is unique. He is a unique footballer because he can do all the things that you said that he can do earlier on. He can he can be Kante and he can be Coutinho all at the same time, which is essentially the cornerstone of a Jurgen Klopp squad where players can facilitate in multiple different positions that they can move within the game, they can switch positions within the game, um, they can revolve within the game and evolve within the game. And he will become, I believe, to epitomise that entire philosophy of football. And again, the same point earlier on, that, that Wijnaldum and Firmino are the two players that absolutely do that because they're so multifunctional in what they do. And that's, the, I mean, that's, I think that's the ultimate, maybe not the ultimate, but certainly probably is, the, you know, the, the ultimate goal of, of where we're looking to get to, I think, with, I mean, maybe a little lazy, but, but essentially total football. You know what I mean? So people, the, the players can rotate the front six and, and even further back can, can rotate essentially into, into pretty much any position on the pitch and know what needs to be done there and, and do it to, to a standard that, that's required. Obviously, some are going to be better in, in certain situations and, and not as good in others, but essentially perform it to a, to a level. And, and it, it, when that works, when that really works, when you've got teams clicking like that, well, then you great, you know, great, easy on the eye and 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 fabulous results. You you know, you're talking, you've got your Arsenal Invincibles, you know, that that kind of way with their front six. Obviously, you've got you know your famous Dutch teams, but when everyone can actually do that and and is tactically aware enough and switched on enough and has the quality and and the fitness and and all of it to actually do it. It's there's no other kind of football like it, really. It's it's fabulous. So you know, the future bodes well if if and when those players can can uh, you know develop to to their full potential. If you've got all if you if you've got our current first eleven operating at the best they could possibly operate at, that's a that's a scary side. Yeah, I. I agree. Let's get away from navigator because we're talking death and, and numerous pods. And, and, I do you know what though, Dave. I'm really enjoying talking about navigator now for two. No, uh, yes, <laughs> and, and positively, I understand that's you know part of the reason why we did it, and I you know because we have been, you know, what's what's it all about? What's going wrong here? And you know, just finally, bit of a uh, well, a half cracked smile on the face when we think about navigator now, which is great. <laughs> <laughs>